Hey Matt, how's it going? Going, going good. How are you, man? I'm good. I um, I've been in my office all day trying to record a screencast, and I finally uploaded it to Wistia, so I feel good. I liked it, and I like that you use Wistia. I, I, that that adds a nice touch. I didn't get any calls to action to watch a you know a movie trailer afterwards. <laughs> It's uh, it's uh, honestly with Wistia for me, it's a hate love relationship. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just I was just unlucky when I signed up the first time, but I think I have six Wistia accounts right now because <laughs> the first time I signed up, something went wrong. So it's like they they needed to do like a manual, I don't know, approval or something. Like I just got like a like an error error screen basically when I signed up. Mm. Uh, and then tried with another email address and then like it messed up something with my sessions like it was just a really really bad process for me to try to sign up ouch uh, i remember talking to their support but like now i literally use like all my email addresses and i use all the like my email address plus wistia whatever combinations so it's like i can never find out which account to log in with so like right my process right now is to go to a, like an incognito window so i don't mess up any cookies or sessions or anything before i know like that i can get in it's yeah i've had a really really bad experience with their sign up and that's login that's flow. too bad <laughs> that's too bad i i had a i mean we're, we're, i I love Wistia. Um, I really do like the product, but I accidentally signed up for a Soapbox premium account thinking I was signing up for a like just premium Wistia account. So I ended up with a premium Soapbox account and a premium Wistia account. Yeah, they're two different things. <laughs> I didn't realize that like when I went through the upgrade flow, I was like, oh yeah, this is like some kind of on-ramp to the main product. And so I signed up and then it's like, congratulations, Soapbox Pro user. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because we actually used we use Wistia uh, at Respulse for many years, and I didn't have any problems with it, so I liked it. But fortunately, I will say there is a TS perk that's Wistia related, and I was able to use that to get a little bit of a, a help after my mistake. Well, my I have a uh, reset my quota because the, the account I uploaded the screencast to today is not my normal Wistia account. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I couldn't get into that one, and you're like it's a just jan- whatever. <laughs> it's like the janitor with all these keys, and you're like, I'm just gonna yeah. try, I'm just gonna keep trying. Yeah, and then eventually, I just kick up the door. Um, <laughs> but like, do you know if you're like? I actually wanted to try Soapbox out, but first of all, it's Chrome. Like, you need to be using Chrome, mm. um, which I can do. Like, I prefer Firefox because I try to like get rid of a lot of Google stuff. But yeah. also, like, the only way to sign up for Soapbox is using mm-hmm. Google Auth. Okay. which is just stupid like and i actually pinged them on twitter and their response was it was just the easiest way to get it out there but i just feel like if you're a wistia like how hard is for you to have an email and password field on your website or at least yeah. like offer something else and just google um yeah. i think that that was a bad experience for me and then i had um, i had actually had a wistia account with google auth as well but it's like it was the wrong account that didn't work and I don't know, man. I had a really bad experience, but so far so good. I uploaded a screencast today, um, and I'm actually I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah, I've had a interesting experience with Soapbox as well. As much as I love the Wistia main product, I'm I'm a bigger fan of Loom for quick recordings and shares because I don't like to show my face, and I also 
like a little bit more editing control. And I, I just found Soapbox to not be. So it's funny. I have a premium Soapbox account, but I, it's not my first choice. Um, fortunately, it was only like $100 or something. But um, well, congratulations on getting the screencast out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I've been using Loom for a while, actually. Um, I was pretty happy with it, um, but I actually recently canceled my subscription. Um, the problem is you have to be online to use it. So basically it live streams, it basically live streams your recording to their server. Um, so it's just, um, all summer when I was staying in the cabin in Denmark, I was just roaming on my phone. So I didn't always have the best, uh, reception and some, sometimes it just the, my voice and my video just froze and cut out. And so it, it, you need to have a really strong, uh, internet connection to use it. I reached out to their support mm. as well, actually, and they said, "Yeah, you just like to use our product, you need a strong uh, internet uh, connection." Which I find, I don't know. We're using Sendcaster to record this podcast, and it's recording everything on our local host or like in local storage right. uh, in our browser. Um, right. So we are actually only relying on the, which is funny because we're having issues today, <laughs> but we're actually only relying on the internet connection to hear each other but not for the recording yeah i bet you it's a video thing because the the local i think there's a local storage limit right so video is gonna just blow that away really fast yeah that might be it so i actually uh bought a screen flow i think it's called screen flow yeah i love screen flow i used it that's what i use but it's actually really good um and i like showing my face i have a pretty face no but it's uh (laughs) i don't know it adds some more personality to your videos yeah, and and for all the Wistia uh, constructive criticism, I, I think their idea of selling those little like uh, home studios in a box is a brilliant idea. Like I might, if I had a better physical space to do these recordings in, and I just don't. Um, but if I did, I would love to get one of those little setups with the camera and the lights and the and the whatnot, so that I could do higher quality recordings at home. Yeah, I tried really hard with my light today. I had like a lamp on a stack of books pointing straight into my face. And it's always hard when you're <laughs> yeah. using glasses. Yeah. Glasses yeah. are not great on screen recordings because they pick up the screen basically unless you have a lot of light. Mm. I wouldn't know. Do you want to do a good old updates episode this week? Yeah, I think, I think so. Maker, no long stories about launching. That's right. <laughs> Maker, manager, back to it. Do you want me to go first? Go ahead. So yeah, basically, I guess I started with the end of my update, which was the screencast. But last week, I mentioned that I quietly launched Branch to my uh, my early access email list. Um, mm-hmm. And I had some people sign up, and uh, which means feedback, both in terms of like people sending actual feedback after signing up and getting stuck or just like being excited or whatever. Um, but also the feedback from just looking at all the people getting stuck inside the app, um, which is always really painful. Um, so um, the huh. the project this week was to basically go through all that feedback and um, and improve the app and basically see if I could <laughs> have less people get stuck in there. Um, so I did a lot of product work. It's the first. It's the first time in a while where I just like had a full week in the office every day, like being super productive, being like writing code. And yeah, even a few days I planned on leaving the office earlier 
and I actually ended up staying there way longer than I thought just because I was like kind of in the flow. Um, so that was really nice. good. Is that your cabin by the stream? The office? Yeah. <laughs> no, the office is my co-working space in Glasgow, which is actually called the Whiskey Bond. Oh, okay. It's where they uh, ship the whiskey to in the old days. But now it's an office oh, that's building. That's right. That's right. You're, and and I'm, I'm a moron. You're back in uh, Scotland. Yep. Nice. I'm in Scotland, mate. Yeah. So basically my main project in terms of improving the app was, um, so I, I've talked about this on the show previously that how I basically try to make it easier to create your first project by making it super easy to pick your Git repository from GitHub. Mm -hmm. Um, so almost everyone who signed up actually created a project cause they were able to quickly just like pick a project from a, their GitHub account. Um, but then a lot of people got stuck after that. So I spent some time this week trying to see how how can I make it really easy for people to add their first build step, which is the next thing they need to do for the onboarding. Um, so I I basically added, and if anyone's, if people haven't read Getting Real by um, Basecamp, I think it's one of their first oh, books. so good. So good, yeah. It's probably 15 years old. Yeah, Just, I was going to say 2004. I think you're exactly right. Uh, it's really right. old. Yeah, I don't know how, so remember how old it is. Yeah. Well, I, I remember printing it out at work. I, I remember my first job. I printed that out using the work uh, printer, like the laser printer. That's yeah, it was great. And I stapled it together and I would, I was just started devouring it on lunch breaks. Like that was an instrument, uh, influential book for me. Yeah. I remember, um, when I, when I had my first job, which was as a Ruby on rails, junior developer. Um, that's where I came across that book and I was really excited about it. Um, but basically they, I remember they talked a lot about like the blank slate after people sign up to your app and they haven't added anything, like they don't have any projects or whatever. So you need to think about like, basically what are they going to see? Cause when you look at your app, when you log into your own account, you probably have a lot of stuff in there, yep. but people signing up the first time, they don't have a lot of stuff. Um, so basically I added like a big welcome screen basically inside the app was like hey it's time to add your first build step this is what a build step is here's a big fat button you can click to add your build step uh here's some more information here's if you want to connect an integration just like stuff like that added that to the app if people want to see it they can see it in the screencast which is going to be live when then when this episode is live um but yeah i only had a few people sign up after i added that um probably I don't remember it's yesterday or the day before. Um, but those mm -hmm. people have added build steps, so it is actually working. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah, it's it's that's exciting. Great. And it's nice to be like methodical <laughs> about these yep. things and basically look at where where people are getting stuck, try to fix that, put some more people <laughs> in through the funnel and see where if they get a, a bit further. Um yep. yeah, so that's next great. week I'm gonna do some more launching and uh maybe do some Twitter stuff and uh, yeah. announce. Yeah. I was going to say this, this makes me wonder like, so uh, intercom, which I use and I am a fan. Um, they, it's not a perfect product, uh, but given the amount of things it does, it's, it's, uh, I think it's pretty impressive um, what they've accomplished. But the uh, point being, they just launched product tours and I fully intended to use product tours for uh, summit. But you know, it's interesting as you're talking, like, I wonder if product tours is really a solution for when you have a product where the onboarding is not built in, like it's not native. Um, it, the, the product itself is not 
state fully aware of the fact that the user has a blank slate. And so you need to overlay this, this guidance. But I think what you're talking about is the product itself is self-aware and says, you know, I know that you need to do this next step and it's important enough that you've actually made it a part of the product itself um, in a way. And I think that, I think that's actually the best experience. Yeah. I, I, I don't see how I, I could basically have something like the intercom onboarding stuff. Cause it's just, it's so um, for me, it's so built into the product right now. And this yeah. it's the whole like state of the product and the basically the whole flow and state of the product would have to be built into intercom somehow. Um, and when you are a technical founder and you're the product person and you're also the coder, it's pretty easy to yeah. just add a bit of like ifs else. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I think it also is really those, those tours are also really useful when, you know, you're the guy, you're the person whose job it is to improve onboarding and technical resources. I mean, the product's built. And so there people are getting dropped into this blank slate and, you know, you're not going to go back and re- rebuild all that. Um, so, well, yeah. that's cool. And, and you got, you got immediate results, better output. Yeah. Awesome. And like the, some of this onboarding stuff is also like core parts of the product. Like it's a matter of not only adding like a little tool tip, but also improving the, the actual text on the button and stuff like that, um, which you wouldn't be able to do with a tool like intercom, I think that makes sense right yeah it's all very aware well that's great and um, yeah so you're seeing people actually complete the build steps now much more frequently yeah they add build steps so i guess (laughs) we'll have to see but i guess the next step is to have them actually run the builds (laughs) but the good thing is if they connect to the git (laughs) uh, repo yeah. pushing code to that we will run a build so <laughs> and and for you kind of harkening back to an episode we had previously like premium is naturally in front of the these folks like you can basically unblock these people all the way into premium subscriptions yeah because the, the more they build it's basically <laughs> it's it's gonna it's yeah, inevitable yeah. yeah 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 right now it's like if they they can run basically 20 builds for free every month so it's like if you build more than once every day, it's probably your job. And then it's probably fair that you pay a little money f- mm-hmm. to have that thing available. That's cool. Nice number. Um, so yeah, awesome. that's where I'm at. Um, and I recorded the screencast and I did some improvements to the landing page. And I, f- I feel pretty good about launching a little bit more next week. And I like this kind of like incremental launch strategy. Yeah. So how about you? Great. And What's going on in Summit Land? Yeah, in Summit Land, um, I Is had a list of goals there? for the week. It's uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, cold up here. It's uh, it is actually <laughs> cold here in Austin. It's disgusting. Um, Forty in rain. Uh, but I wrote down my goals for the week. I had uh, five primary goals and two secondary goals, and I have completed. I will have completed, I think, all but one by the end of today. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, one of them nice. was uh, simple but important. Yeah, from a feeling better about everything, a welcome email. <laughs> so uh, this actually, there's, there's actually a whole, there's more around this, but uh, just 
simply speaking, making sure that after people sign up, um, they get a welcome email in their inbox. Uh, that's happening now. I owed a welcome email to a lot of users that had signed up over the last six months during the um, private beta. And I know that they, it was a little awkward probably for them to get a welcome email after <laughs> after they had been using it for a while. But uh, at the same time, I knew I just had to get it done and I had the rebrand as a good excuse so that it was the first email, first email they ever got from the product and also the first email with Summit branding on it. So it felt like a welcome to the launched world uh, for those people, I hope. Um, and a lot of really uh, friendly feedback uh, continues to flow in. Uh, people doing things and sharing feedback that's really useful and valuable. And I'm pretty much doing customer development through Intercom at this point. <laughs> I mean, I've, like getting getting inbound chats um, daily from folks just offering you know, feedback and thoughts. So it feels really good. Um, I think the other things that I wanted to get done this week were uh, I have... Uh, paying customer that's using the API to send daily metrics to summit. And nice. what that means is they're not, yeah, they're not using profit well or bear metrics to um, build their numbers. They are doing it themselves. And then they have a script uh, that they run daily that sends, you know, here's, here's our MRR. Here's our number of customers, all the vital stats. And then um, I had to build, I, I already had a, a catcher's mitt, if you will, to, collect those and put them into like a waiting status. But this week I had to build the process that runs nightly to um, remove duplicates, add those to their account and regenerate all their forecasts based on that update so that their team members can log in and see, you know, as of the deals we closed, you know, yesterday or the new MRR we got, here's, here's the latest and where we're at. So um, really excited about that. And I think, I think that actually taught me something that I think there's going to be a maybe a I wouldn't say counter it is counterintuitive uh, so I'll just put it that way but I think that quite a lot of the people that are going to end up paying for summit at least initially will be companies that are a little bit um, I'll just say older larger right and farther along we talked about this like I want to charge the growth stage companies uh, and not the survival stage. But what that means is a, a lot of them got started before, some of them got started before Stripe. Um, some of them have more complex billing systems and, and ways of doing things. And so I think what it's done for me is raise the level of the importance of the API that I'm working on or that I have, um, because I think for some of them, Summit is going to be their metrics um, pool, if you will. Like it's going to be the place that they look at their metrics. They don't have, in other words, they don't have another dashboard that's really clean and aggregated and accurate. Um, but they have the data. So, but they have the data, right? And so they've been up till now. What I find is they've got this mixture of like Google Sheets and business intelligence tools like Tableau and maybe um, something like Periscope. Uh, so they have all these like charts and graphs that they've basically run custom on top of their metrics, but they don't have a, they don't have a profit well view of their numbers. Um, and, and like, they, yeah, right. It is interesting. Like I, I'm, I get that though. Like risk pulse didn't either. <laughs> and, and it's for that exact reason. Like we, we started the company before there was Stripe and then we took payment any way we could. And before you know it, you have three different ways to collect money and not everyone's even a credit card customer. And 
suddenly it actually becomes really complicated. So um, I'll just add one more thought to this. And if anybody has thoughts, I'd love to hear. But um, one person reached out and said, asked whether or not I support what's called like the segment spec for data. Um, and segment.com obviously is a huge uh, data collector for all the things and they really route and send your data along to other SaaS tools. So the developer has one point that they can flow data through. But the point would be um, this person, this other person had a thought of, you know, could Summit be a collection point for a lot of this financial um, data that we have and all these other systems, but like, you can send your MRR to another system and it, like it'll display your MRR or you can send the number of customers to another system and it will display that in a chart. But the fact is Summit can actually do intelligent things with that data um, because of the modeling, the simulator. So it becomes a magnet for and a more, more sensible or a very reasonable place to put that data to get more value out of it, um, which I think is really interesting. Business intelligence. Yeah, business intelligence, but not in a generic sense. You know, that I think that's the most business intelligence tools are, they are BI. And it just means, you know, a non-coder basically can run analysis. But what I'm saying is send your data here. You'll be able to visualize it, but you'll also be able to run it and do things with it, um, not just queries, but like ask questions that are very domain specific. Uh, Yours is actually intelligent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, the, the yeah. <laughs> whole, whole field of landmines there of what that <laughs> means. Um, I did see somebody. Uh, it's, it's funny that you say that. I was reading, um, as I am often to do, uh, browsing Twitter the other day, and somebody proposed a definition of intelligent, which said uh, an intelligent system, the more intelligent a system is, the fewer things you have to tell it to get an interesting answer back. Like it's able to take just a couple things and tell you a lot of amazing things. Um, That's Google versus DuckDuckGo for me. Oh, interesting. interesting. Especially in Danish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. DuckDuckGo does not work in Danish. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that, that resonates with me because... It's like, okay, you tell a human just a couple things and it just really knows how to read into all of that and then say something back that gives you value. Whereas a more simple system, you feel like you have to spell everything out. You have to get it all structured and perfect and then you give it to it. And like, what does it do? It charts it or it just basically shows it back to you. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, what did you just do for me? Well, I, I'm holding the data. Um which don't get me wrong. Mm. I mean, that's a system of record that's useful, but I, I think summit is more than that. So, um, yeah, I'm fig figuring this stuff out and then, um, yeah, that's, that's basically how it's gone. And I guess I, I wanted to share my parallel universe on the blocked and unblocked onboarding side. So I, um, now have events going into intercom and I can segment my users on those events so I crossed the 500 user mark uh, this week, thanks to the launch. Congrats. The launch. Thank you. Yeah. And we're, we're actually after seven days past launch. So I can say that the launch was roughly, though, somewhere between, uh, let's just say, like 150 new signups in the last week, um, which exceeded my expectations. So <laughs> when we wrote down our goals for the quarter, 
Um, I had a, I think it was 200 signups per month is what I was aiming for. And so to get 150 in a week, now it's definitely going down in volume, but, um, but that felt really good. So on track there. And then in terms of the onboarding flow out of the 140 that signed up in the last seven days, um, 39 connected metrics, 83 created goals, which means they skipped the metric connection and put a goal into the system, which which actually it um it reinforces maybe what we were saying or I was saying a couple months ago, which was goals are really important. Like they're they're the heartbeat of the system. The fact that twice as many people created goals as connected their metrics, um, I thought yep. was really interesting and uh, very tempting engagement. Like people want very compelling engagement. People want to do it, and then fifty five people out of those eighty three ran a baseline forecast, meaning went through the work of building a, a full-blown like financial model. And then 17 people went another, the last step and built a growth plan that deviates or builds on top of their baseline and said, you know, how can I get better traction or how can I reach my goal in a different way? And so if I look at that overall, it's like without any optimization, more than 10% of my signups completely activated like yeah that's pretty cool steps yeah (laughs) that feels good right like i don't know what to compare it to but like i'm i'm really happy about that (laughs) it's it sounds good like yeah yeah and you you as you mentioned like you haven't really started um optimizing anything that's right yeah and iterating Uh, yeah i haven't i you know the next step is going to be emailing each of these steps after a little bit of time passes or lapses and say Hey, it's been a week since you signed up and you haven't connected metrics or created, you haven't done any of this stuff. Like, mm. how can I help you? Basically sending an intelligent, and this is the, um, Val Geisler. Geisler. Yep. yep. Her, uh, her advice. And I think I heard this also through, um, through Jane at user list that the best practice is really to notify people not of successful action, but to ask them if you can help them complete an action that they haven't yet. So I, I love, I love how now, like you said, this, this incremental progress thing is, it's just kind of laid out in front of us of these are the people to reach out to, <laughs> to ask yeah. them why they haven't done the other thing. And I'm sure it's going to open a floodgate of feedback that says, well, I don't have any of those three metrics providers, or, you know, I don't know how to fill out the baseline thing. Can you help me? Like, and I'm really, I'm just looking forward to that, you know? And I think the other thing is November for me is supposed to be a premium month of yeah so what i want to do is reach out to those 17 that did the full activation and say aha like you guys are my power users um how many of you think you might sign up for a subscription if it had these things and you know i'd love to get some feedback on that yeah i have those emails you just mentioned i have them automated in user list oh cool so basically if people sign up but they don't run a build um, or they don't have a green build, I send them an email about that. And I'm like, hey, I noticed you haven't experienced the euphoria of a green build yet. And <laughs> nice. Let me That's help great. you yeah, and work on that. Have, have folks replied uh, to those or those? Uh, no one has replied yet. Okay. But I mean, still. It feels good to know so, they're going out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's not a lot of them have, has gone out yet because it's pretty early and I just launched it last week. So true, true, true. And you do have a welcome email as well. Yeah, I do. Okay. And I also have a, like a celebration email when they, um, when they have their first green build. Nice. Yeah. They get like an, awesome. and we're green. Yay. You know. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I have a celebration email planned for when people finish all the steps and, uh, who knows, maybe there'll be a little merch incentive at that point too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy. My, my welcome email, and this is probably also skewed and will go down, but I have a 50% open rate on the welcome email, which that's good. I don't know. Yeah. That feels good too. Out of 499 cents, 50%. So yeah, it's, that feels feels good. People are people right now are engaged and they they need to be because this is this is these are my early fans. So if they weren't, I'd be really worried. Have you read April Dunford? Obviously, awesome. I have. It's funny. Uh, I've read the first fifty to seventy five pages. I forget where, but I am I am going through you're it. Probably, yeah, I think you're probably read to where I where i read to this morning basically where she's like if you if you if it's too early for you to do this exercise uh you should probably just like have a really broad position that's kind of like halfway through the book yeah <laughs> before she left. yeah it's one of those books that i i found um and i think this is a sign of a, of a good one i get to a point where the knowledge to action ratio is just way too high i'm sitting there yeah. going like i now have this burning need or desire to do this thing because of all that i've just learned like if i keep reading it's gonna run off my mind and it's also just gonna stress me out because i I gotta go do stuff (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. you know like the two of us we talk a lot about business in general and basically what what business is and what strategy business strategy is and how to build a startup and like what are the processes that essentially should be the same for everyone building a SaaS company yeah um and I feel like there, I have a few books that I just know are like part of the the starter kit that I would always read before starting a new business. I think obviously Awesome is going to become one of those books. Another one is Traction. You, I know you've mentioned that as well. Yeah, um, that's a great. And then idea. yeah, so I feel like Traction, obviously Awesome, Seth Godin, The Dip. It's a quick one you could read in like okay. an hour or two. Yeah. Sounds interesting. I'm a big fan of uh, Alex Osterwalder and business model generation. Yeah. Um, you sent uh, like a presentation or something, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, he um, he spoke about business of software this year. And so it was a total fanboy moment for me because I, I, uh, I spoke. Fortunately, it was the next day. I'm glad I didn't have to speak right after him. Actually, April did, and she did a great job. Um, but I love business model generation for me was one of those uh, – I hate to say coffee table books. It was a desk book. Like it sat next to me. And like every time <laughs> I wanted to just kind of refresh my brain and take a step back, I would open it up and just pour over the examples that are in there because I really think that he basically lays out a library of business models. And nice. If you don't, yeah. And I think if you don't get that, uh, you're just kind of, just kind of, doing what seems so obvious, like I'm going to charge money to some people and they're going to like it. And it's like, there's just so much more opportunity. I think as we point out in the book is there's so much more opportunity than that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. I, I had a, the weirdest experience when I was reading the dip. <laughs> what was that? So I, I, I started reading it and I had to bring it to the office cause I, I was just at completely, um, I, I couldn't stop reading, basically. So it, it's the afternoon. I'm sitting in the, the co-working space reading the dip, and I read, read through the whole book. And on the last page, he has like two pages, basically, where he's just thanking different people and things. So he's like, 
I think it's like he likes Coca-Cola, he likes whatever, and he like lists some of his friends and colleagues and just like random things, Elvis Presley, just random things he's like <laughs> thankful for. Yeah. Um, and then like on the last, <laughs> like the last word on the first of those pages was a name and it was not a normal, it was like a weird name that I hadn't seen before. So I was like that. I before I turned the page, I knew what the last name was going to be because it just felt weird. Like I just somehow I just knew what the last name was going to be, even though I didn't know this name. Mm. And I was like, "There's something about this name." Wait, and then I realized that like an hour later or an hour earlier, uh, before s sitting down to read the book, I received a support email. <laughs> from a person with the same name and it's like this name i bet there's only one person in the world with this name so I'm like this awesome. is extremely weird that is weird so i reach i actually i reached out to him i was like is that your name in the dip like the seth godin's book he's like yeah i worked with him like oh, 10 years ago awesome. oh that's really cool. and it's like so he was using wp pusher like in his like he worked with seth godin in his like a previous life 10 years ago and now he was working for like a marketing agency that used WP Pusher. And he sent me a support email like an hour before I read the page where his name was mentioned randomly in the dip. And like who, who reads the acknowledgements anyway? It was, I only read it because I liked the book so much. That's awesome. It was like the weirdest experience ever. <laughs> That's really cool. I, um, actually had a really interesting experience. There's a, um, a guy named Michael Lanning and he, actually coined the term value proposition um, back when he was at McKinsey, I believe, uh, many years ago. And I just happened to be at um, some startup event in Atlanta. And I met this guy and I was like, oh yeah, who are you? Whatever. And like, I, we ended up going to dinner together because it's like a conference or something. And there was like, you know, he split off into groups. I sit down next to this guy. I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, well, I wrote this book. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. And then uh, later he's like, yeah, it's, it's called, um, it's called, uh, you know, value propositions. And yeah, it's kind of like a term I invented. It's like, it's like <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. You just never know. Like it's a small world that we're in. Yeah, this this like world. business design and startup world. And um, yeah. I actually, as we were like going through this list of books that we, we would go through like the starter kit, I took a step and listed out in uh, Notion, there's a, yeah. there's a page on there that actually says, so you want to do strategy at Summit? Question mark. And it's basically a list of like the three articles and four books that I pretty much require any employee to read at Summit that wants to talk business and strategy because not because it's like, oh, you know, these have all the answers or you know, you, you're, you're dumber than me if you don't read them, but it's like, I want to have the same vocabulary as other folks. I think that's the problem with this whole thing is that everybody means something different when they say, refer to things like positioning and value propositions and everything. So for what it's worth, um, that's going to be an experiment where I would really love to have a company where we write things out and we all, we all know what if you asked us what a word means, we might say it differently, but we all mean the same thing. I think that would be amazing from a strategy standpoint. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've referred to your list a few times. There's some some good stuff in there. We should include some of it in the show notes. Maybe. Show notes. Yes. Um, who does I actually, I don't, if people ask me about marketing and they haven't read Traction, I'm not going to 
help them out. Like that's like, <laughs> that's if you haven't read that, views. what are you even doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You're not taking it yeah. seriously. Nope. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Well, we just had an updates yeah. episode. I feel like. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's stop rambling and, uh, and just uh, call it a show. All right. Show notes can be found <laughs> in our podcast description. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. <laughs> and and are we going to ever ask people to like us or leave a review? Like and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> folks. We didn't really do Whatever. It. <laughs> do we have reviews? You, we have two. Do we have any reviews? We, we have two in iTunes. Oh. Yeah. Is one of them you? Of course. You? Uh, may, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so all right cool man thanks man talk to you next week all right have a great weekend bye bye, bye.